Good morning and welcome back to the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast, where I interview the coffee professionals of the West Coast and try to help us all get a little bit coffee smarter in the process. I do that by asking coffee experts coffee questions and by interviewing people like today's guest, Dan Romeo. He's the founder and head roaster at Traveler Coffee Roasters. He's also the owner and head brewer of Beer and Booch at One Season Brewing. And he's likely the first face you will see when you walk through the doors at the Roasterito. In just a bit, Dan will tell you what the Roasterito is and how it came to be. But first, I need to ask for your help. This is the third season of the Roast West Coast podcast, and it's time for this show to go global, or at least really heavily regional. I'd appreciate any help you can offer to spread the word. Tell your friends to listen, share the links on whichever social media you think is the least evil, and go support your local coffee roasters. Then tell them it's because of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. Assuming you're not driving or pouring hot water into a French press for the next 45 minutes, take a second while listening to the show to follow at Traveler Coffee Roasters. I'll add the link to the show notes, and again, as always, on RoastWestCoast.com. I feel like I'm always telling you who to follow, but if you have suggestions for me, please tag me on Instagram at RoastWestCoast. This morning, I'm drinking a coffee. I probably don't need to mention that. I've been on a bit of a just-discovering-cold-brew-can-actually-be-delicious kick, and I have a can of Steady State Roasting's most recent brew, which actually says, and I quote, Do stupid shit faster on the can. I couldn't agree more. Make sure you have your own cold brew or a full cup of coffee, because it is time for this Roast West Coast interview with Dan Romeo of Traveler Coffee Roasters. Could you do me a favor and just say uh, who you are and, and who what your company or companies is so everyone knows? Yeah, uh, my name's Dan Romeo. I'm based in San Diego. Uh, two companies I currently uh, own are uh, Traveler Coffee Roaster and One Season Brewing Company. One Season Brewing kind of was, a, was born out of the pandemic and Traveler started at the end of 2017 when I initially... Uh, left my corporate gig and decided, you know, I wanted to use my hands and get out from within an office and uh, do something on my own. Well, that's a that's a great place to start. Let's go back before that and just say, what about your coffee experience? What was it about coffee uh, that made you think this is something interesting that I'm interested in? And, you know, kind of a first experience about coffee that led you to deciding that was what you were going to leave that corporate job for. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone has like their own coffee experience. Uh, so before coming to San Diego, I was in New York. I worked in New York. Lots of coffee shops. There's a lot more coffee shops than just Starbucks, basically in every quarter. You know, working from those locations, studying, going to school in New Brunswick, New Jersey at Rutgers. There was always coffee shops. You're always there. You always met people. It was. It's something that connects us all. It's something that can be seen in every single country in the world. And just the feeling, and especially uh, in the East Coast, there's something. There was always something about going to a coffee shop in like the middle of the winter, when it was freezing outside, and you went inside with a couple friends, girlfriend, date, whatever it might be, and you just spent an hour there. And there was that feeling that you always had, or at least I always had it. 
And it's one of the things that I, I will always remember. And I was always like, man, it would be so nice to own a coffee shop. Wouldn't it be so nice to brew my own beer one day? These are, these are thoughts I had 15, 20, 25 years ago. I remember reading there's one um, River Horse Brewing in New Jersey. Uh, there was a little tag on their, on their, on their box. It says I kind of like their story. And it was like a bunch of finance guys quit their day jobs, start a brewery. And I remember thinking to my, my, the girl I was with at the time, I was like, that's going to be me. I want to do that one day. Like I'm, I, I I just don't want to brew at home. I don't want to, you know, I had an air popper for coffee. You know, I used to make cheese, used to make bread, not used to, I, I still do these things and always to, you know, use your hands, made, made wine a handful of times, was always involved in just making things and like you give it to somebody and they have that, that smile on their face. And it's like, you did that and they're, they're, they're happy. And it's like, wow, that feeling is like, that's great. You don't get that really in in the office too much. <laughs> you don't get that, <laughs> the same, those same qualities don't really exist. Um, and um, yeah, so that, that, that's kind of the backstory there and kind of how, how, what, what I wanted to do with my life eventually. What brought you from New York to here? I also came here from New York. Yeah. So I'm not, I mean, I worked in New York, but uh, lived in New Jersey, North Jersey, Hoboken, New Jersey, you know, for a good chunk of my life. Basically it's as simple as this. I visited uh, a couple friends years ago, about 10 years ago. Now it was January or February. You never forget it. Land here, beautiful 70 degrees. I think it might've been a heat wave. might've been like 80 at the time. <laughs> We did all the all the Southern California, San Diego things. Went to Torrey Pines, went to the beach, and I left after three days. I ended up landing in Newark, and it was like forty degrees and sleet rain. And I was like, I didn't know that this place existed, that weather existed in America. I didn't know that that was going on over there. And then basically nine months later, I was on the road. I packed my bags, had a house, sold it. And drove across with a buddy, and was you know didn't stop till we hit the Pacific. That's such a, a such a common story I find out here, and yeah. similar to my own. In that, um, my wife had an internship out here in January, February, March, and uh, we spent the month before v- with our family in Wisconsin. And it was that particular year, about similar timeline as you actually. Uh, I think it was below zero or at zero for like twenty straight days before we left. Oh, yeah. And then when we went back, we spent three months in Chicago and we got there, I think, April 1st or 2nd or something. And it literally was icy rain for a month. And we just thought, this is the worst. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. You didn't, we never thought about it before. You know, it yeah. just never seemed like an option. And yeah. Um, yeah. now that we've been here eight, nine years, I what I tell people back home when they ask when we're moving back is, I don't think you realize how hard the weather is on your body. I just yeah. feel better. <laughs> Every day feels a little better out here. Yeah. Agreed. So at some point, there is a tipping point that says, I'm going to leave this job and start this this roasting, not just roast, but start a business, which is a whole nother mindset. What was that? What what made you decide now is the time? Uh, geez. So like the, the long and short of it is I was CFO of two a marketing company and a production company like the TV commercials, basically uh, in San Diego here. And they kind of put me through the meat grinder and um, just, uh, you know, without getting into too much details, it's just, you know, it was hard to look at myself in the mirror at the end of the day and say, hey, you know, that's this, I'm, this is what I want to do. I'm happy about what I'm doing. And 
especially when you're in a position of like finance and that that's type, that type of level in a in a company of it was only between 50 and 100 people but still you know you start looking at people as just commodities and you start looking at people as you know just to meet goals at the end of the year or you know to to make uh, executives happy you know with bonuses and stuff and you know, you get to the point where just, you know, cost cutting becomes a part of your life. And you're like, God, this is not what I want to do. This is not how I want to run a company. This is this this is not what it should be to, to work here eight or 12 hours a day. And, you know, I was putting in shifts where, you know, I was there at two in the morning. And uh, then I was getting back to the office that same morning at six. And, um, and I'm like, this is definitely why I didn't move to San Diego. I wanted to avoid doing something like this. And um yeah, I just basically just got up and I said, you know, I'm I'm done. I don't know what I was going to do at that point. I had, you know, kind of something in the back of my head, but you know, I just wanted to reset my mind and reset my body and kind of get healthy. And it, it was really taking a physical toll on me, kind of working those kind of hours under that kind of pressure. And for what? At the end of the day, I, I still don't know what it was for. Yeah, so I just I just basically left at the end of 2017. I said goodbye to a handful of. Uh, people that I worked closely with in the company and I, I was out. And um, then the next day I kind of just sat with a drawing paper and uh, started just jotting down, like, what are my passions to your point earlier about, Oh, you, you bike and you do beer and you, you're into coffee and all that. So I started writing all these things down and I said, why can't I come up with a company? Why can't I live like the way I want to live? Why can I live this dream? Why can I, you know, but this is not going to be about me. This is going to be about other people that I know are interested in these things. I know uh, San Diego, the beer capital of the world, there's coffee shops, coffee roasters all over the place. People love to bike. The weather's beautiful. Let me come up with something that kind of brings all these things together. That's kind of how it was born. And I was like, you know what, you know, uh, I didn't have any kids yet. And, um, you know, there was a point in time where you just can't make decisions like this any longer. Like they just, they wouldn't fly. So I was like, this is kind of my last shot. I've been talking about doing this for, since I got out of college. Uh, but I'm glad I did all the business and had all that experience. Cause there's no way I could be doing this now without that either good or bad, how, how awful some of it was, but how great some of it was, you know, working with people and working on projects and, you know, dealing with the office politics and all those things that kind of go along with it. But, you know, there's there's also really great times. There's things I do miss uh, from hanging out in an office with people. But, um, you know, without that background, there's no way I could be doing this. And I mean, I, I think really like the, like the finance side of it and the accounting side of it is really underrated, uh, especially with everything that we've gone through the past year. I'm probably going off course here talking about too much stuff. But you know, uh, being able to really have that mind to, okay, this is how we're going to grow the business, where the investments are going to be. This is kind of where the money is, is the cash flow. This is, and I, I'm still a geek into that. Like I still love looking at that type of stuff. And now since we're finally starting to grow again and things are starting to look up, like, you know, it's, it makes it more interesting to see, look at the numbers, not, not just a, <laughs> not, not, not just a, a bloodbath on the paper anymore. And, uh, now, you know, trying to buy equipment and trying to, you know, grow production, like that stuff is that those are all great problems to have and trying to find solutions for that and trying to be as, you know, creative as possible. And that's what I've done, you know, from basically day one, but really pushed into high year during COVID. It was really, this is all about being different and everyone says it, but I've always said from the beginning, this isn't about coffee. This is about an experience. Traveler was always meant to be more than coffee. 
And it took me until the pandemic to really push me into doing all these other things that I wanted to do that I kind of was not too scared to do all at once, but I just wanted to just kind of roll out little by little by little. But I was like, you know, now screw it. We're going all in, you know, because if not, I'm going to be going bankrupt. Yeah. And it's been this great and the whole traveler, traveler, you know, spelled out or, you know, in, in, the, in the, the, the logo that I use and the, in the, the, the traveler is TRVLR. But, you know, traveler meant, you know, it's, you know, it's cliche if you're not living it, but it's all about the journey. You know, I shouldn't be here right now. I should not be talking to you. I should be in an office somewhere. I should never have left that job. That was a cushy job if I could have just, you know, grinned and bear it and just said, you know, whatever, working 10, 12, 15 hours a day is okay. You know, uh, two weeks a year vacations, okay. Whatever, I'm, I'm going to be fighting for the bonus today. It's going to be worth it because I'm going to get a bonus. Maybe that doesn't come, but whatever. You know, it's like, I shouldn't be right. I shouldn't be here right now. So traveler is the journey, uh, but it's not just my journey. It's everyone's journey. You know, it's the, and that's what I try to, tell people when they come and when I, I speak to people about what we're doing is like, this is, this is a lifestyle. This isn't, this isn't just a coffee shop. If you know, if you're in here for just a cup of coffee, you, you, you missed the point. You know, there, there's 20 coffee shops down the street. You know, th this is about a, this is about experience. It's about a way of life. And that's kind of the way I'm living it now. I think you're living my dream, Dan. <laughs> I think that's what you just described to me. And uh, I would say that I love doing all the, all the different things that you mentioned as well. And I've a very career path, but where you have that finance background, I don't want to think about the money. I, I will, because I come from hospitality and I could tell you what my expenses were to the penny and, and where yeah. that money was going. But I just want to make all the stuff and do all the things and have someone else deal with that. And yeah. uh, I've been able to do that in my personal life. My wife has very willingly taken on uh, the challenge of managing all the money. But in my, my working life, uh, that's the part that I do it because I have to, but not because I want to. And it sounds like you still get the, the benefit of you get to keep that part of your old life that you like and you love. Yeah. And now you're including this whole other lifestyle part of it as traveler, which you kind of jumped into already. Yeah. And you mentioned that it's part of the journey. And that's kind of I'm assuming that's where the name came from and yep. what it means to you. What about the customers that have been coming into when did you open? I'm going to cut myself short there. What Because you, you opened right at the beginning of the pandemic, right? Uh, so I left the actual uh, storefront uh, the actual retail store was, yeah, it was fourth quarter of, um, 20, uh, 2020. It was when I, so in the middle of last year, when things were really, after a couple months, I was like, all right, wait a minute here. <laughs> I had a wholesale business, all my restaurants, cafes, they all closed. I basically, all the work that I did for the prior year of business development went down the tubes I was like, okay, let me wait this out. You know, uh, then after a few months, it got to about August. I was like, all right, this this is we're in this for the long haul. A lot of these businesses, I, I already lost a couple clients totally. I was like, okay, look at the money. To your point, it was going to run out. I was like, this, I'm just bleeding too much at this point. There's not enough coming in. And also, by the way, I can't do business development. Everyone's closed, so I have to change right now. And wow. Uh, so backstory when I initially left my job and I wanted to do this after months of pen to paper, I was, then I started searching for a retail location. I was like, I'm going to put this in a, the middle of like a, a walkable area in San Diego, a retail shop, coffee roaster, active lifestyle store. Think of something like an REI with that you would go to all the time, right? REI, 
you know, you, you go there once a year for a jacket, but if there was a coffee, if there was a, more of a community aspect where people would meet up, you would go there a lot more and then you would probably buy a couple more jackets. You know, you, you would have more reason to go there. And I always thought like, why, why is that? Like I've seen these in other, in other areas of the country, Colorado and Arizona, and they have like this, you know, that they, they have that lifestyle. Plus they have coffee, which obviously we like talked about earlier. It connects everyone on the planet. You know, there, there's something with it. It's the smell of it or anything. It's just the people are attracted to it. So, um, yeah, so that was the middle of, uh, the August I started planning. I have to pivot hard. So then I built a bar, started filing for the ABC permits to start a, a brewery, started making kombucha, started working with uh, different vendors, the state bicycle and other vendors that I wanted to sell for this lifestyle, uh, the, the lifestyle side of the store. And I, yeah, I, I opened up my soft opening or whatever you want to call it would be like in the fourth quarter of last year. And the whole goal was to hit, hit 21 uh, pretty hard with a whole new business model in place. So I want to uh, pause real quick on that and say and ask you, you were selling coffee wholesale. So in 2017, were you already roasting before you started, before you left your job as like just on your own? Just on my uh, own. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then you expand that, that experience into the wholesale side of things. But it sounds like you went into this, this new retail storefront um, at the end of last year with the, you already knew you were going to do coffee and beer and kombucha. Are you the roaster and the brewer uh, of all of those things? Or did you bring on help or experts or anything like that? Or what was your, your process? So, so for the brewing, yes, I brought on a friend who, who is uh, in San Diego. He had a, he had a brewery in Mexico city at one point. He's now an executive chef at a restaurant here. Just actually, I sold, I sell coffee to him still at his restaurant, his brunch spot. And, um, he actually was the one that came up to me. He's like, have you ever brewed beer before? I'm like, oh yeah, I brewed beer. He's like, in the middle, he's like August last year. He's like, you need to start brewing beer. He's like, he's like, what he's, cause he was thinking, cause I was, you know, complaining to him and venting to him how, you know, his business was shut down and they just built out this new location for millions of dollars and all this other stuff. And he's like, I, he, he was feeling the pressure. Uh, they had to close, but he's like, you know, if you need to, he's like, you're doing all wholesale, you need to switch. He's like, you have to start doing beer. He's like, I'm like, honestly, I don't know anything at that scale to me. I, I don't know what equipment. I mean, I can do this on a, on a stove in a kitchen, but I don't know what I'm doing at this type of level. And he's like, I'll help you. And basically we had a couple conversations. We sat down, drew some things up. He told me this is the equipment you need to come up with. He's like, I'll work it. I'll, we'll connect it. We'll set it up. We'll get it going. He's like, you file for the permits. He's like, we'll come up with some recipes and we'll start brewing together. And uh, I kind of was uh, went under his wing. Uh, he gave me the pointers, the tips to how to use stuff and how to, how to make it work. And now it's been pretty much me for the last few months. And uh, we're doing small batch, only one barrel at a time. Uh, and I'm trying to buy more equipment, more cold storage too. There's all these problems that you have. You can't, uh, you can brew it, but then you can't keep it. Um, so uh, yeah, so so that that was pretty much how that brewing the, the the brewing side of it started. But yeah, he's been he helped me initially, but I definitely want to bring in more help uh, sooner than later because obviously I'm juggling a lot of balls right now. Yeah, for sure. There's a real interesting dynamic out in the world right now. I think traditionally people look at brewing uh, beer and coffee as very collaborative industries, and they are. But there, there's also people who are less collaborative or, you know, they're like, hey, this is my business and we're competing. And I think the pandemic really brought that out where it kind of split that community into 
into more than one big group. It's kind of two. There's the there's the side that's like, you know what, we're all in this together. Let's all learn together, even though we're competing. And there's the other side going, hey, we're in a pandemic. Like we're all competing for the same pennies. I'm I'm gonna focus yeah. on my own thing. And yeah. it sounds like you you found yourself in that in that first camp. Uh, just before I forget, what's the name of the brewery so people know? One season brewing. One season brewing. It, it basically it came. I was thinking about names for months, and then in February or March uh, earlier this year, I was on the beach at like seven in the morning walking my dog, and I was like, just mumbled to myself, like, "Man, we only have one season here." You know, it's February. I think I was talking to my mother the night before, and it was a miserable day back east. And um, I was like, one season. I'm like, well, that's it. <laughs> that's that's it. That's the name. And um, there's nothing more San Diego than that. So, uh, yeah, that that's how the name came to be. So the the location that you're in, you call the Rosterito, which yeah. is yeah. Uh, people can go in, they get Traveler Coffee, they get one season beer. Uh, you also have kombucha and I believe bicycles. How did the other part of that lifestyle incorporate into this space? And, and what's your, you know, how did bicycles come into play? Yeah. So we'll take another step back. We'll do We'll go back uh, again. When I was looking for, after I left my job and I was looking for a retail space and I came up with the, the whole traveler concept, you know, like I said, I want to do the retail coffee roaster in a, in a walkable area. I wanted the shop. I want to do bikes. I want to do surfboards. I want to do skateboards, things that were like quintessential San Diego for San Diego uh, people to, you know, just to embrace the the one season that we have kind of like, I didn't know it at the time, but that's what I was kind of doing like a one season store for, you know, for, 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 for active lifestyles. Um, so yeah. And when I started, uh, when that fell through and I should probably say the reason why that the retail space never came to be uh, was the landlord was still going to fix the building. He, uh, failed a bunch of permits. A year later, I was in a lawsuit with the guy. I had to get out of it. I was like, this is taking forever. This is all 2018. Then simultaneously, I'm trying to look for another space. I already bought a coffee roaster. It was sitting in a box. I didn't know what to do. And at this point, I'm thinking like, maybe this just isn't for me. Maybe I'm just going to have to go back to the office. Like I'm just burning through money here, not doing really too much. I'm planning and trying to set things up and then everything's falling through. I can't get the space open. Uh, keeps on failing for permits. So I ended up getting out of that lease, and then I found uh, this warehouse space in Mission Gorge, San Diego, and I immediately signed the lease even before I was out of the other one. And I was like, okay, now I'm in the middle of nowhere. I have, um, you know, I, I have no retail hope, so I have to pivot. I got to do scrap the whole traveler experience and the lifestyle, and I started start roasting coffee wholesale, and that's what I spent 2018, 2019 doing just business development, trying to build up the wholesale business, which I didn't know anything about. And I still don't know anything about. I, I tell that to people all the time. I'm learning something new every single day. And that's the beauty. That's the journey. And that's the, that's the, that's the best part about the job. And uh, to, I think we, you mentioned earlier about the, you know, the, the, the camps in terms of people on two sides, you know, in terms of like, you know, they, they want to help, they don't want to help. And uh, I'm in the camp. And the reason why I left this is to be in the camp of, I want to be business partners with people. I want to work with people. I want to help them grow their business. That's the only way I sell coffee wholesale. And, you know, I do it to, I want them to be, you know, coffee's coffee. They can get it from 15 other roasters in San Diego. You know, I want this to be about like my relationship with them and just knowing that they can call me anytime 
And I'm there to, you know, give them ideas and how they can grow their business. And let's do some private label bags or whatever it might be, other revenue streams for you and try to give it to them at the absolute best price, not to sit there and just try to rip them off or whatever, but something that they can still grow their business. They can reinvest back in their business, especially now more than ever. I rather make a few less dollars knowing that they have a few more dollars that they can live, uh, make in another month. There's a long-term thinking versus a short-term thinking there. Yeah. You know, penny smart, you know, pound foolish. And uh, that's the way I, I approached all of my business development. And then unfortunately that, that came, that, that crashed and burned. Um, so now I'm, you know, I, I pivoted to the, to the, to the retail model and I'm, I still have a couple wholesale clients and we want to kind of keep that at a minimum. I kind of want to just do it just a handful and not be a wholesale wholesaler. Uh, I never want to go back, you know, hundred percent again. Uh, it's just too risky. I mean, I, I love the diversification of what I'm doing now, but to your point, yeah, the roast Dorito is, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm coming up with, you know, silly things and marketing concepts and different things. And, you know, you have Rosarito, Mexico. And everyone goes down there, and and then I, you know, I was like, you know, this this is the Rosterito. It's a little oasis in the middle of nowhere. I'm in this warehouse district that it's hard to find. I have to start blasting this out, building some kind of, you know, something on Instagram and other social media channels about this to kind of give more than just oh, there's a coffee roaster. Oh no, it's a Rosterito. It's something that's oh, what is that? Like, you know, and um, basically, uh, I had been saying this for months. And I was like, I don't think this is sticking. I don't think this is sticking. And then my one friend messaged me. He's like, I'll meet you at the Rosterito at two o'clock today. And I was like, <laughs> oh, it's working. I was like, this is working. I'd say the name is, it's not just me saying it on, on all the time. And now I have it on shirts and I have it on the wall. And, and it's known as the Rosterito for those, for those people that, uh, that, that have heard about Traveler and, and One Season Brewing. And it's, we call it the Beans, Booch, and Brew House. And, um, it's this fun little oasis in the middle of nowhere, and if you if you're there, you you you'll come back for sure because it's it's nothing like you've ever seen. It's really interesting to me to hear that your original plan was to be kind of in the heart of a walkable San Diego community, and you've ended up on the exact opposite of that, but creating your own destination. Yeah, yep. That can be a, a tougher road, but could also lead to longer term success because people are making the effort to come to you. So. Yep. When things change or the communities change, they're already making that effort. Totally. I, I completely agree. And uh, I've, uh, you know, I've said it like it's field of dreams. Like I've built it. And then my whole last year, I was like, I'm going to build it, but hopefully they come. And it was like, now they're starting to come in month over month, more and more people. And, you know, it's great when someone shows up once for this place in the middle of nowhere, but it's the greatest feeling in the world when they show up a second time. Because then I'm like, wow. I, I really got them like they they felt that they felt that this was different that obviously they can I'm always usually always there uh, I'm trying to you know dro- drop my hours a little bit just because um, that was a whole nother thing I ended up getting uh, in the middle of last year ooh uh, towards the end of last year and the, the beginning of this year I got like health took a turn for the worst I was had basically worn myself into the ground uh, burned my candle at both ends so I'm trying to uh, take it a little bit easier now. Just um, and now it feels a little better. I think maybe it's the stress alone of the whole COVID and not knowing what to do and just up at night sweating, staring at the ceiling, going like, "Oh, what am I doing with myself right now? Like, how is this? Is is this is this how it's going to crumble? You know?" Because it felt so out of control. But then once I kind of reset and I was like, "All right, no, I, it's still in my control. I have to just I have to pivot. I have to do thing. I have to I have to think outside the box right now." And that's what 
that's what traveler is. It's, it's the journey. And like, I, that's, this is, this sounds like the perfect story. If I can pull this off, you know, it, it, it speaks to the brand itself in terms of the, the, the change in the direction. So it's, it's just life. Yeah. And I didn't mean to, to chuckle at your anxiety. I was kind of no. commiserating because I yeah. totally get that from an entrepreneurial standpoint. Yeah. Uh, entrepreneurs in general take on a lot of stress because you are risk, you're, you're taking risk that other, that yeah. people that are not entrepreneurs don't necessarily. Yeah. There's great reward that comes with that risk as well, but there's still risk and, and it's not as simple as opening a coffee shop or a brewery or whatever, uh, starting a podcast and expecting yeah. that you'll make money doing it and make a living and pay your bills. And then with COVID, there was the stress on entrepreneurs of how are we going to survive the business side of it? But yeah. then collectively, we all had a, we all have this COVID stress on us, whether we realize it or not, whether we believe in COVID or not. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in COVID myself, but yeah. uh, in the science of it, but there's this weight and, and my wife was chatting about it and I were chatting about the other day, she works in a school system and she's like, man, I just, my brain wasn't working today and these other things. And she, and she was frustrated with herself. And I said, you got to give yourself a break. You, you know, you not only have your work stress, but you have this whole other thing that's been just building over time and we've gotten used to it, but that doesn't mean it's not there. And so yeah. we're, we're all going through that and having places like what you're trying to build with the Rosterito to go or to, to release some of that is important. And yeah, the show, not just with roasters, but with, consumers you hear on both sides how the coffee shop or that that hospitality place that they they were able to go to for that hour during especially in the early days was the thing that got them through COVID, yeah. right at the yeah. beginning and i think i think more than ever we're seeing how valuable that is and there's some people that take it the wrong way and get a little too over the top with how they're they're going out into the world of hospitality. But I think there's a lot of other people who are appreciating more than ever the luxury of, of going out. Yeah. I appreciate this moment. It's not something that's guaranteed to me. Yeah. Yeah. You are uh, roasting and brewing and doing kombucha. Is there anything that's kind of surprised you about the process or that you find those skills overlap? Uh, anything you've learned this year uh, outside of the business, but on the, the actual roasting and brewing and and booch side that uh, you kind of learned the hard way this year. Yeah. I mean, so the one thing that's clear with all, all three of those and the, and the kombucha was my, it was my pandemic project at the beginning of, of the pandemic. That's when I was sitting in my, my apartment, not really knowing what to do. And I'm like, I'm going to start doing something other than coffee and I have to start just messing around. So that was that. But anyways, they, the, the booch, the coffee and the beer, I mean, there's 90% passion. I mean, uh, and it's an art. Uh, I tell people all the time, like, you know, to sit at a coffee roaster and mine's like a manual machine. I don't have any, it's not automated at all. Seven and a half pound roaster. You know, you, you got to want to do that. You got to really want to be next to that machine for four hours and a 450 degree heat and, and wanting to do it. There's an art, there's a, there's obviously a science to it. Like there's a science to the kombucha making and and, and the beer making, obviously, but there's just a level of passion. You have to like want to actually do it. So when I started doing each of these things, I'm always asking myself, like, do I really want to do this in terms of like, you know, the type of company I want to grow and not go back into an office doing things I didn't want to do, answering those questions to myself in terms of, yeah, this is what, this is what I want to do. I love this. I want to use my hands. 
you know, this is, this is, this is, uh, at the end of the day, I can, I can make you smile with a cup of, of a cup, a cup of coffee, uh, as like the overall driver to doing it. But yeah, there's the, there, the overlapping thing is the passion necessary that connects everything. And in, in terms of small business owning, just in, in general, I mean, if I don't, if I'm not passionate, you walk in that door, you're going to know it pretty quick, you know, and then you probably won't come back. I work a lot and probably cliche to say that, yeah, it doesn't really feel like I'm working. No, it, it feels like I'm working, you know, but <laughs> I, so I, I won't say that, but you know, there's a, there's a sense of pride uh, in terms of making something, you know, there's a sense of pride in terms of owning something, there's a sense of pride in terms of being like, you know, I can change things and go in different direction because I want to change them. Uh, but don't do things willy nilly, but do things with direction and purpose and, you know, clarity in, in, a, in, a, in a process and um, a plan, which is, I think, a lot of small business owners probably lack is that plan, especially now they're kind of just, you know, throwing things on a wall, see what sticks. Uh, and that works sometimes. But overall, the long, long term, that's not going to that that's not that's not going to sustain you. And uh, yeah, so the passion overlaps everything. And then um, but yet they're all so different. And I'm one of these people I just love to do. I'd love to do things. And having that coffee roasting being a part of it, and I, now I have a part-time roaster who's helping me do that, uh, which is great. Uh, that's you know something in and of itself. It's one experience, and then making kombucha, and that's a two-week process or whatever. Uh, and then playing around with different flavors and trying to make that. And I'm trying to scale. I can't make it fast enough. People absolutely love it. That's great. And then making the, the first batch of it when it was carbonated, I was like, this is amazing. I can't. You know, this is great. You know, you, you see the science is right in front of you. You know, it's all. It's happening. You know, it's, it's this great experience. It takes time. You have to be paid just like business, just like COVID last year. It's about patience, about just, you know, waiting, you know, but waiting with purpose, you know, and not getting too antsy and pulling the plug on something sooner. And then beer is just a, another beast because there's so much involved. Uh, there's so many steps. And, you know, but at the simplest, it's all about being clean and you have to be passionate about cleaning. If you're not going to be passionate and thorough about being, you know, the, the cleanest you can possibly be, you know, while you're messy and hot and sweaty and all these other things, you know, it, it's a, it, it's about doing all the little things that people don't see behind the scenes uh, that make that product coming out of the tap, you know, and sitting there and just, you know, having your back hurt after the, after the day, but going, you know what, that was worth it. And we'll see, you know, three weeks later, we'll see what we got. And that whole waiting again. There's a, an old, an old hospitality saying, which I'm sure everyone on the show has heard me say before, but if you've got time to lean, you've got time to clean. And that's how I've always, I always learned in hospitality. And, and there's all these uh, Mr. Miyagi like things that come with cleaning. You know, I used to sweep in front of the restaurant that I ran with like an actual broom instead of a blower or anything like that. And when the staff would ask me why, why I did it, I was like, well, because when I'm sweeping, I'm talking to people that are coming by outside there. People are seeing that the person who runs this business is out doing this work. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm showing you guys too, that there's, there's multiple things that I'm doing here at once. I'm not only checking out the building, I'm making sure that things are clean and presentable to people, but I'm also communicating with the neighborhood. And yeah, uh, my dad, my dad always said that. And I always hated it because when I was a kid, I had to work for him for free, but but I think that's something that's so important in hospitality and in coffee and, and brewing is, as you're saying, is so much more of the job is cleaning than it is 
than I think most people realize, which is really interesting. Um, is there anything else that uh, about Traveler, about one season, about you that I didn't ask uh, that you'd like people to know today? Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, just that um, Traveler and one season and is is ultimately it's it's me in a, in a way you know it's you know everything i do in that warehouse everything i'm trying to do long term is um you know it's you know i put my heart and soul into everything um and i hope people see that and they can feel it and it's i really don't want to ever be just another coffee guy i mean i'll sell a lot less coffee but you know, I, I want that, that result to be, if I'm selling a lot less coffee, uh, you know, the goal is not to be, you know, filthy rich. It's just to put a smile on people's faces and, and make that connection. That's why I left the office because I wanted to have those, those great conversations like you sweeping outside uh, and talking to people. It's just, it's just those little, those little conversations that you have during the course of a day. And I say this all the time, the, the greatest part of my day and the greatest part of, you know, running these businesses at the, at the Roasterito is, Every single day, somebody walks in that I never met before and we'll have a great conversation about nothing, you know, sometimes. I mean, just, you know, what, what, who are they? Where are they from? Or they ask me and I say the same story that I've, I've told you <laughs> uh, maybe 30 times a day, but that, mm-hmm. that's a part of the job. And, you know, I, I, I greatly appreciate telling the story every single day because people, you know, are interested. They want to know. And uh, the traveler experience a traveler's story has, has a story, you know, maybe a lot of other companies don't have that type of story and those type of heartaches and the kind of up and down and the change of direction and, you know, everything that's kind of gone on. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's meeting those people that you never met before and just having them sit down and having a great conversation with somebody to the, to the point of when we started earlier is, you know, that that's the, that's the conduit is that's the connection. It's always with coffee. You always meet those people. And, uh, that's, that's the best part of the day. And I hope that never changes. And, uh, if that never changes, then I consider traveler a, a huge success. Last question. I ask everybody this at the end of the show, but if you're going to another coffee shop, another roaster, just randomly on the road, what is it that you order for you? So I, I get the same two things every single time. I always get, uh, a cup of drip whatever they have, usually a medium, a lighter roast, uh, no milk, no cream, no anything like that. Just drink it black. And then I always get a shot of espresso, two shots of espresso. because I want to see kind of like what that tastes like. And then obviously the drip is, I I just love a cup of drip coffee, a good cup of drip coffee. uh, People don't realize like it it should be black, you know, it should be super flavorful, you know, it should be fruity or whatever, whatever that, that bean is trying to, you know, get through. Uh, you know, you shouldn't be dousing it with milk and cream and all these other things. And that's another thing we kind of do at Traveler is that since I'm a coffee roaster, you know, I, I don't use, I don't have cream. I don't have sugar. We make two summer drinks now that have a little bit of, a little bit of coconut syrup in it for the summer and a little like, um, oat milk, um, whipped cream on top of it. I'm trying to like really minimize those type of things that are sold. I'm like, I don't want to be no pumpkin spice. No, 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 no pumpkin spice. We do uh, make a house simple syrup with nutmeg, uh, cloves and cinnamon that kind of tastes kind of pumpkin-y. But yeah, I'm trying to avoid uh, having, you know, giving people four, four pumps of a syrup and on your way. Uh, it's just like, I, I just can't do it. But yeah, that that's usually I order when I go to um, a coffee. I usually get a, a drip and, uh, and a cup of uh, an espresso. Uh, and that really can, I, you know, usually it's good. I usually enjoy it. 
Dan, I really appreciate you taking some time to talk to me, tell your story today. And uh, now I'm excited to get down to the Rosterita. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate you having me. A big thank you to Dan for spending some time with us today. He's got a lot going on with Traveler Coffee and One Season Brewing. The through line is his passion for creating products that help create experiences for the rest of us. I've got some coffee news and coffee vocab for you today too. Just yesterday, it was reported that the coffee bean crop coming out of Colombia, one of the world's largest coffee bean producers, was short by an estimated 1 million bags, or about 154 million pounds of coffee, due in part to adverse weather conditions affecting this year's crop. In addition to farmers, anyone who imports or trades coffee from Colombia or likes buying Colombian coffee will be feeling this. It speaks to the challenges facing farmers and how important those direct trade roaster-to-farmer relationships are. I'll link the whole article in the newsletter on roastwestcoast.com, as well as our previous Coffee Smarter episode where we break down the coffee economy. Next week, I'll be talking to a new coffee expert on this show, specifically about climate change. So if you haven't already subscribed or bookmarked, now is the time. Our coffee vocabulary terms for the day are puck, knockbox, and channeling. A puck is a compressed cake of ground coffee that your espresso machine is forcing water through to extract the coffee flavor. After your espresso is pulled, the round cake of grounds, which looks a little bit like a hockey puck, is left over. It'll often get dropped into a knockbox, which is a basket or a bucket for the discarded grounds. It's so-called because you knock the portafilter against it so you can get the puck to fall out cleanly. Channeling occurs during the pulling of an espresso shot. The water being forced through the puck finds a crack or an imperfection, causing the water to pull through a channel in the grounds. Channeling causes an uneven extraction of flavor as some grounds engage with more water than others. Basically, it's not good for your espresso shot, and it speaks to the skill and training of our baristas that it doesn't happen that often. That's it for today's show. A new Coffee Smarter episode comes out this Thursday. Our first this season was Series Simran Kulsa, the Executive Director of Coffee at Lofty Coffee, and our next interview is with Mark Wortman of Make Good Coffee Company, which will drop next Tuesday. Also, head to RoastWestCoast.com to find links to this show's supporters, Maria Coffee, Leap Coffee, our first-ever sponsor, Zumbar Coffee and Tea, Steady State Roasting, Cafe La Terre, Cape Horn Coffee, Coffee Cycle, First Light Whiskey, and Camp Coffee Company in Oceanside. Thanks again to Dan for being here. Thanks to you for sharing this show with your friends. And be sure to support the Roast Industry Legacy Partners. If you want these shows sent to you right in your email, along with articles about coffee, photos and videos, and vocab, make sure to sign up for the newsletter at roastwestcoast.com. Thank you for being so cool and listening to these podcasts instead of watching reruns of The Office. You should do that too, but I appreciate that you're not doing it right now. I'll leave you with a quote from Terry Pratchett, author and humorist, who said, Coffee is a way of stealing time that should, by rights, belong to your older self. I'm not quite sure I follow and understand everything he says, but that one kind of stuck with me today. This episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast is, was, has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. I hope this show has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity to make it through the day. And please, always tip your baristas, and be sure to drink good coffee.